Hello and welcome back to the Caption Life Show. In today's episode, we are going to review the latest film from Marvel and Sony Pictures Animation, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I am joined with fellow podcaster Ellie Camverdi, who is the host of the All Day with Ellie show. Today's spotlight is going to be Comic Logic from Ashburn, Virginia. They're Northern Virginia's most exciting comic book store. They carry a full inventory of single issues, trade paperbacks, and custom artwork. Let's get started with the episode. Hi, and welcome to The Caption Life, a show for the most casual and dedicated fans of comics and a member of the Comic Watch family. I am your host, Sean. Join me and discover what the world of comics and graphic novels has to offer. From one-on-one interviews with industry professionals to roundtable discussions with passionate fans and reviews on the latest comics, TV shows, and movies. You can find me on social media under the username at Caption Life. You can also find more episodes and information at thecapsonlife.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to The Caption Life. In last week's episode, we talked about the first full appearances in the comics of Miles Morales, Spider-Gwen, and Spider-Man 2099, which I'll put a link to that episode in the show notes below. And we uh, covered that because we were anticipating the exciting film of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And so today's episode, that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to do a review of that film. And uh, here is a quick recap of the movie, in case you're not familiar with it or you just just want to learn a little bit more about what the official synopsis is from Sony Pictures Animation. Um, and it says, after reuniting with Gwen Stacy, Brooklyn's full-time friendly neighborhood Spider-Man is catapulted across the multiverse, where he encounters the Spider Society, a team of spider people charged with protecting the multiverse's very existence. But when the heroes clash on how to handle a new threat, Miles finds himself pitted against the other spiders and must set out on his own to save those he loves the most. Anyone can wear the mask. It's how you wear it that makes you a hero. It is produced by Sony Pictures Animations, uh, is directed by uh, Joaquim Dos Santos, which I hope I pronounced that correctly, Kent Powers, and Justin K. Thompson. It is written by Phil Lord, Christopher Miller, and Dave Callahan. And the cast uh, consists of Shamik Moore, which I hope I pronounced that correctly. I just realized that I don't I don't think I've ever heard it pronounced um, out loud, so I apologize if that is incorrect. But Shamik Moore, uh, Haley Steinfeld, Oscar Isaac, Jake Johnson, Issa Rae, Brian Tyree Henry, and Luna Lauren Velez. But before we get started with our review, we do have an awesome guest with us. I'll be adding their thoughts and insights about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And joining us today is content creator and host of the All Day with Ellie podcast, Ellie Camverdi. Ellie, welcome to the show again. This is your, I think, your second time joining us um, on the show again. So. Right? Yeah. yeah. I think so, yeah. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah. The first time you were on the show was... We we did a review of the Eternals that came out yes, two, right. three years ago, something like that. And so I'm glad to have you back on the show finally again, because I really enjoy talking with you about all the movies. I've been, I know I've been on your show a couple of times to talk about movies, especially uh, Mighty Ducks. And I absolutely love having a um, you know, discussion about films with you. So I'm excited to have you on the show to talk about this movie because wow. Right. <laughs> oh, I know. It's like, what else can you say? Just, Wow. I know. It's all capitals, like underlined, bold print. 
<laughs> and that's what a lot of people have been saying about this film. And and we'll we'll get to that in a second. Um, before we dive into our review, I always like to talk to our guests a little bit about, um, you know, kind of who they are outside of this, you know, geeky fandom of comics and and things like that. And so I just want to have a chit chat with you about, you know, your your podcast, you're a podcaster uh, yourself. It's not like your full time job or anything like that, but you're uh, do a podcast about it's it initially started as a podcast about Marvel films, even though that's not what you tended on. Um, yeah. And you still kind of do a lot of those, but you, you know, your uh, podcast is just about films in general and just kind of doing a review of them. And they range from like anything that came out recently to things that like, you know, came out like back in the nineties and things like that. Right. Yeah. It's really, it's, I've gone through a whole journey with this podcast because it was <laughs> funny. I initially had done it to discuss all the movies I love but then it definitely accidentally became a Marvel podcast, which was hilarious to me because I was like, this was not my intention. Right. I don't mind. it. I'm like, I'm not mad about it. But <laughs> definitely I, I was like, I don't want to be known just for doing Marvel. Right. But then I went through just like this weird transition like last year with like the changing of the name. I was like, OK, I want ref- it to reflect like the things I do on TikTok and across social media what i talk about and it was funny because i think it was like a week ago maybe two weeks ago mm-hmm. for whatever reason i was thinking about the podcast and i was like okay if i was like trying to explain to someone what it was or like a one-liner of what the show the point of the show is mm-hmm. and i think i figured it out i think i figured it out and i think i'm settling for it. it's like just like a celebration of geek culture and like the love for geek culture Mm -hmm. and i think i settled for that i'm like i think that is the point of the show and what i want it to reflect and whenever i bring guests on to discuss different topics so it's like a whole journey it's like a little roller coaster ride (laughs) of getting to where i am with it yeah so so let me ask you this um you know this show is primarily focused on comic books with your show what is your favorite episode that you've done that's not a comic book movie um, that really gets you excited about that you did that episode. That's so funny because that's such a small handful <laughs> of episodes yeah. that like actually aren't you know aren't related to Marvel or DC or anything. Uh-huh. But ooh, <laughs> I don't know. That's so tough. I I mean, now I'll, I'll say you know you could include star wars in there because star wars didn't start off as a comic book right like there are star wars true. comics but then to start off as a comic book so i would say you know star wars can be in that category of non-comic book movies for that reason i don't reason. think i've done my star wars episode yet <laughs> well my bad like, now that you bring, if you bring that up i'm like i don't think i put that episode out yet it's in the works still right um yeah. i feel like i really i did really enjoy doing the mighty ducks episode I'd say because you're you're like, yes, Yes. (laughs) because I mean, that was such a big movie for me when I was a kid. And then Mm -hmm. I have to say, I also really liked um, my Knives Out episode that I did with Peyton because, again, that's another movie that I just absolutely love. Mm -hmm. And like Peyton loves it, too. So it was like, again, I mean, it's great to talk about these topics with people who also love them. Mm -hmm. So I feel like outside of the, you know, the Marvel and DC or comic related um, subject. I think that w- those two are like the big ones for me. Right. That's awesome. Well, I, I love that you said Mighty Ducks. Uh, Knives Out is a great one, um, you know, both for as a movie, but also for your episode as well, too. It's just it's definitely one of those that 
a lot of people got excited about and really enjoyed because it's a, you know another kind of a mystery movie that was just really well done on a whole mm-hmm. you know on a bunch of levels um, and so I can imagine why that was probably your favorite one and I absolutely love that movie as well too so there's uh, a lot that you can discuss with that movie yeah like there there's a lot of layers to it um, you know not just like a who uh, who done it movie necessarily but there's just a lot of themes that you can kind of go into um, a lot of you know relationship dynamics and power dynamics that you can kind of explore um, you know um, I, I forget his name but you know Daniel Craig's character you know just uh, um, the kind of levels of um, storytelling that he brings into the picture with, you know, not just being a detective, but just how he is moving the story along in a lot of different ways as well, too. So, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. There's a lot of things that you can kind of, you know, go about and and uh, discuss the different kind of parallels and the themes that kind of goes into the movie um, on a whole range. So um, but yeah, so definitely check out Ellie's podcast. Again, it's called All Day with Ellie. Um, I'll put a link to her show in the show notes below as well. Um, so let's talk about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. For those of you who um, have not seen the movie yet, just want to let you know there will be spoilers in this episode. We will be talking about what happened in the movie. So if you don't want the movie to be spoiled for you, then definitely you know hit pause right now, then come back to this later after you watch the movie. But this is your warning. So now that hopefully you pause and you've watched the movie and you come back to this spot, let's dive into um, an overview or overall thoughts about this movie. Um Ellie, what did you think about this movie overall and anything about it? I loved it. It was, I like walked out of there and I was like, that was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. That was incredible. I, I I had heard all the early reviews um, from a lot of people that I follow who got, you know, the opportunity for either a early screening or um, who got to go to the premiere and nothing but positive reviews from them they were all saying like oh movie of the year the best spider-man movie better than into the spider-verse and i was like okay i believe it but also is this just like the initial excitement and hype Mm -hmm. walking out of there or i'm like how much truth is in this review and then i walked out of there myself and i was like oh my god they were so right right they were absolutely right i was i adored it I adored it. I thought it was amazing. And it got me so excited because we were talking about it before that so much happens and you get so many amazing little details Mm -hmm. that you need to watch it a couple times to really process and bring it all in. Right. Yeah. I, you know, um, to be completely honest with my experience and, and think about it in terms of what I was thinking about when I was watching the movie is at the very beginning, I thought it was really slow Mm-hmm. Um, because it it pretty much begins with Gwen's kind of origin story and kind of getting you caught up to like what's been happening since the events that happened into the Spider-Verse. And I just remember thinking like it was kind of a slow pace. Mm-hmm. Um, but by the end of the movie, it made a lot of sense why they told that at the beginning of the movie, why it kind of took that pace. Um, and at the beginning, I was kind of worried like, oh my gosh, like, you know, is this not going to be as, as great as like everyone's been saying, because I've heard the same thing is that everybody had early um, 
reviews of it or early viewings of it had like nothing but like, you know, the best things to say that I saw on Twitter mm-hmm. and social media. And so like the first 10 minutes, I was just like, am, am I like seeing a different movie? Like I just I wasn't mm-hmm. excited at the beginning. But by the time the movie ended and I thought back to that beginning scene, I was like, that makes a lot more sense now. And I absolutely loved how they did it. At the beginning, and, and I'll talk a little bit more about, um, you know, what was really unique and what was really fun and interesting about that as well, too. But I walked away like really loving it. Um, I know a lot of people said that this was better than the first film. Um, for me, like, I feel like these are like two different kinds of stories that they told that it's hard for me to say, like, if one is better than the other. I think for what they mm-hmm. are, they're both, you know, fantastic in its own right that I don't think there's one better than the other because the first one was really like a story in and of itself. This one is part of a second movie that's going to come out later on whenever that happens, which is, you know, beyond the spider verse. Um, and it, you know, it really sits as like the part one of two, which is how they designed it. Um, but it's just really different in terms of the first movie was focused on, Miles origin story and him becoming Spider-Man. This one kind of takes it a step even further to go deeper as a person and his role connected to the rest of the Spider-Verse. And this is also, you know, a Gwen Stacy story as well, too. So the first one was very much a Miles Morales one. Second one is still Miles Morales, but now it's kind of framed around the person of Gwen Stacy as Spider-Woman in her universe, Mm -hmm. which we call Spider-Gwen, but, you know, in her universe, she's called Spider-Woman. So, yeah, my overall thought is I absolutely loved it. I just did a review for this for Comic Watch, and I think the score I gave it was ended up being like a 9.5 out of 10. And, like, there's just a couple things that... Um, I think it's going to be a little bit of a struggle, but like overall, I just absolutely love this film. And I thought it was, just, it was, you know, the best Spider-Man movie, the best comic book movie, the best animated film mm-hmm. that we have had in cinematic history so far. Oh my gosh. It, this is going to win <laughs> awards. It has to. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I refuse a life where this movie wins. No awards for how like even again like just from like a filmmaking standpoint Mm -hmm. it deserves it deserves all of the recognition yes i agree and and the first movie won best animated feature i'm hoping that this will win that and like best film plus all the other categories that they had like Mm -hmm. I don't know if they get too granular with the animation part in terms of the art, but like we'll talk about this a little bit later. But the artwork yeah. in this one like blew me away in that the first movie animation art was fantastic. This one just like stepped it up a notch higher mm-hmm. that I didn't think was possible, but it was yeah, it was wonderful. So what's what's interesting about the movie is we're recording this right now on Friday. Um, so officially the official day that the movie comes out. But Ellie and I both watched this Thursday night. Um, and they've already reported that domestically across the United States, um, Spider-Man has already earned $17.4 million on Thursday night alone. That's and amazing. I don't doubt that at all. And I, I would not be surprised if it hits, you know, the 50 million mark or higher domestically by the end of the weekend as well, too, because it's 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 a lot of people have been talking about this. A lot of people have been excited about this and it's living up to the hype for me so far. This is one of the most anticipated movies of this year. Yes. Yeah. Like it not- is it has potential to be like the movie of the year. I mean, we have a lot of I mean, like, listen, Barbie is coming out this year. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will say Barbie is coming out this year, but it has potential to be like the movie of 2023. Yes. I well, and I agree. And I think um 
not just animated films, like just like you said, like movie period. Um, I know Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles um, animated movies is um, doesn't have the same level of hype, but a lot of people are excited about that. It looks really good. It looks really good. And the animation style is very similar to Spider-Verse. I think that's Mm -hmm. one of the reasons why they went in that direction is because they've been wanting to do something like that. And the fact that Spider-Verse has had such success in their art style. Like it, it's something that they've been wanting to do in that sort of style as well, too. And they know that it's successful. So I think that one's going to be really amped up. But um, but this one definitely just blows every movie I've seen so far out of the water just in terms of everything about it. So so with that being said, let's talk about the story itself. What did you think about, you know, the story here? Because the first movie, like I talked about, is about how Miles Morales became Spider-Man and mm-hmm. kind of, you know, getting that confidence to be able to step up when you have that challenge presented to yourself. This one is a little bit more about Miles' character and his place within the Spider-Verse and the challenges that's actually be kind of thrown at him as well, too. What, mm-hmm. what did you think about the story that's been told in this movie? I I really liked it. Um, I really, um, I like that you brought up the beginning and how it was much slower pace compared mm-hmm. to uh, the rest of the film. And I think it, it was really important to have those scenes, especially with Miles, mm-hmm. because it's very important to his character, like his relationship with his parents and um, how they communicate with each other and how his parents view him and how he views his parents. And again, like that struggle of, you know, he has this secret identity as Spider-Man, like he has this responsibility, but then of course there's like the other side as just miles, you know, going to school, thinking about college, like his parents asking him to do things like make sure you pick up the cake and you show to your father's party on time. Like it's so important to kind of like focus on those like very real grounded moments Mm-hmm. that I like that they settled on that for miles because again, that paid off in the end. Yeah. You saw how impactful that was. Oh, yeah. And then again, with like, even with Gwen kind of getting a bit of her origin and seeing her relationship with her father and how that got impacted when he learns that she is spider woman, because mm-hmm. he was actively chasing after spider woman, because he believed that it was because of her that Peter died in their universe. And it's just like seeing that bit of clash. And then again, seeing what happens to their relationship later on in the story, when she comes back to her universe to talk to him. Mm-hmm. And it was like those little moments that I really loved. Right. About this movie and what I often really like about Spider-Man media is when they focus on that kind of like grounded moment where it's the hero kind of fighting that struggle between Mm -hmm. their two lives and seeing how it's impacted them and their relationship with the people in their lives. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, that's what makes all these kinds of stories, but especially Spider-Man successful is how, the universality of the story that they're focusing on. So it's not just like, I'm the good guy trying to stop the bad guy, but it's like actual challenges of, you don't know how it's going to end up and what decisions they're going to make because they're very, you know, complex and has a lot of real consequences depending on the direction they go. Mm -hmm. Um, What's funny about the beginning of the movie, which as you said, and, and as I mentioned, you know, it was a little slow at first, but I did like the fact that this was a movie that is very much a comic book movie. Um, the first 10 minutes was very reminiscent of her first full issue that, you know, we did a review on this for this show last week. Um, but it was like the first 
page or two, it just pretty much says like, here's how she became Spider Woman, basically, and it and didn't even like give into a whole lot of details. It was like all these panels um, that's in the backdrop of Gwen playing drums. And that's exactly what we got in this movie is as she's playing drums, awesome. you're seeing the story of how she became Spider-Woman came up, came about. So there's a lot of great par- parallels with um, her origin story from the comics that got you know introduced to this one. It's the same Earth. They're both Earth 6 to 5. Um, but what I love about this is that like I got talked about before it's framed. Right. And that it starts off. Um, setting up on Gwen Stacy because this is going to be a Gwen Stacy movie as well as Miles Morales, and but in two different, um, completely different ways. And that we get to see how she became Spider Woman and how she gets, you know, roped into the Spider Society. But a lot of this was pitted against her relationship with her father. And then throughout the movie, we find out that one of the things that makes a spider hero, you know, Spider Man, Spider Woman, or you know, whatever their uh, moniker is is that they have somebody close to them die. And so Spider-Gwen knows that her father is supposed to die as part of her identity or as part of her you know, character in her universe that's meant to happen because that's what Miguel Hera, who's Spider-Man 2099, says, like, you know, when you try to mess with that, then, you know, the Spider-Verse starts, you know, unraveling. And that, so that's why he's trying to correct all these things because of what got set in place from the first movie. Um, but when we get to the end of the movie... She goes back to her universe and um, she gets sent back there and talks to her father and her father was supposed to die as a captain. But because she had left him and he hadn't heard from her for like three months, he had quit the police force and never you know, becomes captain, which means that that gave Gwen the confidence to know that maybe there is another way that their fates aren't sealed in this spider verse. And that because now he's not going to be captain, he's not going to die. And she's still spider Gwen. And that maybe there's a way to do this, which leads her to create like this new spider society or whatever, you know, they're going to call themselves to take on the spider society and to help Miles, um, you know, by the end of the movie that we see. So I love that they kind of use it as a framing device, but to tell the story. And I love the relationship building they show with between her and her father. And, and just as a parent, I just loved all of it because you really see how much parents love their kids in this movie. And this was just one shining example of it. But it was just it was phenomenal how they set it up with that. Um, The other big piece about this movie that I love about the story is that it starts off. by like what you said, when Miles went to his high school to talk about college applications, the principal says, like, you know, we need to know what is the story of Miles Morales, It's like the character and all that. And then throughout the rest of the movie, that's exactly what happens, right? Like we, Miles sees who he is from his mother's eyes when she gives him like, like the really heartfelt talk about, you know, you're becoming a man, but I want you to protect that little boy. Um, we see how Miguel O'Hara tells him how his life is supposed to end up and how, first of all, he wasn't even supposed to be Spider-Man mm-hmm. um, and that he was a mistake and that how he, you know, is supposed to live his life out. That's already been determined because if he doesn't, then he pretty much, you know, destroys the whole Spider-Verse. And so he's being told from a lot of different ways, uh, from a lot of different people. He gets to see like how he's viewed from. Peter B. Parker and Gwen Stacy because they knew about it and they didn't tell him, you know, what was going on. And then when he gets into Earth 42 by accident, he sees his alternate version of what would have what happened because, you know, there was no Spider-Man that became into existence in that universe that he becomes the prowler and not his uncle. Um, So he he sees all these things about, you know, what his character, what his future, what he as a person is being told like what he was supposed to be and that 
he's going through this process of becoming his own person in spite of all these things they're telling him what he's supposed to be. Right. And so I love <laughs> like, that's how they told the story in all these different ways. And I think the next movie, they're going to solidify that we're going to see more, you know, backstory from Miguel Hera. Um, so I wonder if he's going to be like that next, you know, character, you know, the first movie was Peter B. Parker was the side character that you really, you know, empathize with. This one was spider Gwen, my mm-hmm. guess is Miguel Hera is going to be the next one because we haven't seen what exactly he experienced. Like they told us, but we haven't seen it. And we don't know the details. So my guess is we're going to see that in the next one and how that's going to play a part into this whole story as well. So storytelling wise, the writing was just phenomenal. And I think this was just, you know, one example of like how that was just amazing in, in this movie. Um, let's dive into the, the animation, the artwork here. What did you think about the artwork? It was so beautiful. And just, yeah. I was in awe of so much of the animation. And at the other last night, I was talking to my friend, um, especially uh, about the spots design and mm-hmm. how it evolved throughout the movie. And by the end of it, he, he's kind of terrifying. And I think I literally said his design was terrifyingly be like stunning. Mm-hmm. It was scary. Like you could, he was a villain. He looked, like a villain by the end of it but the design of it was so beautiful just the way that he looked and the background imagery that they would input in it as well i was like whoa yeah i would love this as like an art piece (laughs) almost like and there were so many moments throughout the movie where i was like i wish i could just like screen grab this right now Mm -hmm. and get like a printout which makes me excited for um all of the art that will eventually come out either uh, you know made my especially made by fans because mm-hmm. i'm like oh yeah i'm gonna get my hands on some prints for sure because oh yeah it was so beautiful yeah and they like they stepped it up from the first movie oh yeah like, i thought the first movie the animation was incredible but then this one they just they leveled up and it makes me i'm like where else can they go with beyond the spider-verse yeah i know well and that's what i think was really um i think that's that was something that was really impactful it was amazing in the first movie that the animation style was just mind blowing because it was a combination mm-hmm. of uh, computer graphics and hand drawn mm-hmm. animation. And that's what made it distinct. Yeah. And it looked very much like a comic book style kind of animation. So when you're thinking about the art for this one, you know, they definitely replicated that. But because they had the Spider-Verse, they had a lot of fun of implementing implementing like different kinds of artwork. So Spider-Punk that I'm going to talk a little bit more later, you know, he had a very distinct art look um, that is different from the other ones, because I, I'm assuming that's just how he was drawn in the comics. I've never read one of the Spider-Punk stories, but my guess is that's just how he was portrayed in um, that sort of art style. Um, but what I absolutely love is the scenes with Gwen Stacy and her father is that it had it started off with that typical comic book animation. But as they're talking to each other and as their dialogue is progressing into different kind of emotional states, the artwork changes mm-hmm. throughout that. And and that was something that really at first I was. Again, I was just like, I don't know why they're doing this, but by the end of it, I was like, this is like a really beautiful way of being able to communicate that is with the things that's happening with the different art styles and the things that's happening in background and the different like looks and appearances, stuff like that. It's really mm-hmm. giving you that visual communication of what's going on. So like the moment where um, Gwen's father realizes that she is Spider-Woman 
and he has to kind of make a decision on how to proceed with this. They did it like a very different, completely, uh, a completely different art look for him, but they had like kind of like the split, like a duotone look to him, like kind of having to decide, all right, do I take her in or do I let it go? Like having to make a decision. Mm-hmm. And, and that reflected the artwork reflected that little conflict that was having. Um, so yeah, it's like, that was just one of many things of like how they did things differently. But what I loved about it is like, they weren't doing it just for the fact of doing it. They were doing it because it actually helped enhance the visual communication storytelling part of the movie that they didn't get the liberty to do in the first movie. And so just like you said, I don't know how they're going to up it up, um, how they're going to you know ramp it up in the next movie. But that was just mm-hmm. a really stunning way of being able to use different kind of art styles to tell this story that we haven't seen before. And, and it's just, again, best animation artwork I've seen in a movie in a long time for that reason. So I think the Spider-Verse allows them to be able to explore that and have it make sense at the same time. I, I agree. And it made, as you were saying that, it reminded me of kind of the design and the animation they did when Gwen returns mm-hmm. to her universe and she's talking with her dad and they're like in the main kind of like living room seat, like seating area. And as they were talking to each other, they're like the background of their apartment they didn't put a lot of detail into it. They kept it very, very simple. Yeah. So it was focused on the two characters. Mm-hmm. You didn't have any discre- like distractions in the background. You were focused on her father and on Gwen. Right. And just those two having that conversation. And then as with the like the emotional depth of their conversation, you could see kind of like the colors bleeding a little bit mm-hmm. in the background as well. And I was like, it was amazing. Yeah. I was like, oh, I was like, this is such a small little change that helps drive kind of this part of the story forward with her character. Yes. Yeah, it was really cool. It's it's something you don't see in a lot of movies. And so it's really cool just to see how art plays a role with all this. And that and just like you said, like that was one way of how they did that is being able to just kind of let all the colors, you know, slowly disappear. And it was just, you know, a. Not completely blank, but a mostly blank background template. So you focus more on the characters um, and what's happening in there than like anything else that's happening in the room. So, I, yeah, I agree. Um, all right. Characters. A lot of spider people in this movie. Who was your favorite character from this movie that you absolutely loved? <laughs> uh, I came... Into the movie with my deep, deep love for Peter B. Parker. And I walked out of it with a newfound love for Hobie Brown. Me so. too. <laughs> like Hobie, he, 100%. <laughs> he is. I, I'm telling you right now, he is the breakout star. I had no interest in spider punk before this movie. Like I, I didn't like his costume design. I'm not like a punk rock type of person. Like yeah. I enjoy like punk rock songs, but like that sort of persona I wasn't, I, you know, had any interest in, but my God, this movie, first of all, it, it's played by, um, I forget his name, but, um, Daniel, uh, Kuli, Kul, uh Kaluuya. Yes. Oh, I, I can never remember his last name. Yes. Who is in black Panther, um, as, uh, Oh my gosh, I'm escaping the I character's name as well. Yeah. Yeah. From the border tribe from the border tribe, um, like Dewana or something like that. Um, I think, yeah, yeah. But oh, anyways, oh, Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Um, But yeah, like watching the movie and like the role that he had and just the personality and everything. 
I absolutely love this character. Like very anti-establishment. I, I, I didn't expect it at all. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I don't think anyone was expecting it. You know, and and like coming out of it, I was like, that guy was so cool. Like he, first of all, the art style, like we talked about, was very different. So I don't know if that's you know from the comic books or what. Um, but his art style made him look um, you know stand out a little bit. But his personality, his role in the story, like everything about him, you just absolutely loved. And it's just funny how the characters talk about like how everybody loves him and like you know Miles is jealous. So before you meet him, you're getting a little jealous as (laughs) well, too. But then when he comes on screen and like the more he's on screen, the more you love him. I was like, oh, my God. I I love this character now. I yeah, I would not be surprised. So cool. Yes, he was so cool. You know, like really nice and friendly to everybody. You know, intelligent. Um, you know, it really like sticks it to Miguel. Like you can tell from the first beginning, like he's like part of it as like necessity, but he clearly doesn't think much of Miguel and all that. So he's already mm-hmm. from the get go. They don't mesh well. They like they clash. Yeah, very much so. Yes. And so no surprise that he just like leaves them and just like, all right, I'm out. Peace, you know, but he was like, yeah, you know. It wasn't obvious. I quit. Yeah. See ya. <laughs> yeah. So I, I absolutely love that character. Like he's my favorite one as well, too. So I'm glad I thought that might have been your favorite character as well. Um, and I'm sure it's going to be a lot of people's, but it was just for me, no idea that I was going to love him so much. <laughs> I know me too. <laughs> Cause I, I'm the same. I didn't really know much about who his character was. And like one of the comics I'm reading right now, it's, like the first appearance that I have seen mm-hmm. of his character. So now I'm excited to continue reading. Cause I'm like, okay, yeah. Like give me all the Hobie content. Yeah. Now I'm going to go chase after other comics. He makes appearances in because mm-hmm. I'm like, this character is so cool. I yeah. want to learn more from a comic standpoint on who his character is. And I'm like excited for beyond the spider verse. Cause I'm like more Hobie. <laughs> yes, I, I would not be surprised if and beyond the Spider-Verse, if they didn't have him plan to be in the movie like as much as this time, like they're probably going to write him in even more because of the huge success that they're seeing with audiences with this character. And so it's just I wonder. Yeah, I, I think because I was looking at it last night. I think they might be finished with Beyond the Spider-Verse because okay. I was looking at it and it's slated for March of next year. Is it really? Yeah, it was like March 20-something, 2024. So I think they made both of the movies at like the same time. Like what they did time. with Infinity War and Endgame. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I think they did everything like at the same time. They're probably just finishing up in post right now for it. But right. I think... Yeah. I didn't see anything about it being delayed. No, I, I mean, I haven't either. I had a chance to look at it. I just um, didn't know if they had filmed at the same time or not. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, that's also still a long time where they can go in and maybe add some scenes. Like they do this all the time. They add some They're scenes like, oh, in there. Oh, he's really popular. Let's just add yeah. more of him in. Like where are some places we can like, you know, maybe give him like a moment to shine or maybe even tell his backstory. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely love him. I will say before him, though, on the scene. Spider-Man India was... Oh, my gosh. He was a cool character, too. Yeah. (laughs) He's so funny. His uh, suit and, like, the little... I don't know what it was called, but it looks like a yo-yo. It's not quite a yo-yo because he puts it on as a bracelet. But, Mm -hmm. like, his take on the character is just so 
so much fun. I, I, I absolutely love that. I know my son loved it. Um, and he's voiced by the same guy who plays Dillpender in the Deadpool movies. Yeah. <laughs> which I was like, oh, I love that. You know, and I hope that Deadpool makes a reference about that in Deadpool 3 since he's supposed to be in that movie as well. That would be hilarious. I, w- I like really, <laughs> I really hope he would. Um, but I mean, that character was really cool as well. And like, it was just, it's nice because the Spider-Verse, even though they all have like similar origin stories, like there's a lot of cool ways to tell a story because his is very much like, yeah, he has like some similar similarities, but his suit is very different. His style is very different. Um, I was just talking to somebody at my comic book shop, the uh, one of the people that works there. He actually loved the miniseries comic book series that came out about that character. And so he doesn't know anything about um, him in this movie, but knows him from the comics. And he said that his story was that it's really based a lot more around like Hindu myths and things like that or mythology. And so mm-hmm. like, I'm really excited to try to go back and read on Marvel Unlimited, but that's a really cool character. I absolutely love. So if it wasn't for spider punk, he would be my favorite uh, from the movie. Agreed. Um, I'm with you. It's yeah, but it's a really cool. And, and again, you know, uh, there's a reason why we really want to push for, you know, more inclusion and more, you know, diversity, because this was just like a cool way to tell Spider-Man and something that we haven't seen before um, by somebody that doesn't look like, you know, Peter Parker. That is just so fair. And my again, like I loved it. My son loved it. Like it's really important. Like there's a reason why we want to tell these stories. Um, and I think, you know, there's like multiple reasons for that. And I just love that we got this um, not just as like a you know character in the background, but this was like one of the critical points in the movie that mm-hmm. was just a lot of fun, just really cool and really enjoyed just seeing that story and seeing that take of Spider-Man um, from that backdrop. And so it was just absolutely, absolutely awesome. Um, this movie also has cameos in it. I lost my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I was very much not a calm person <laughs> at the cameos. Yeah. I, I like how they really contained the cameos in a specific scene. So they didn't like draw out throughout the whole movie. It was just more of like they were telling the story about the Spider-Verse. So it makes sense to bring in these cameos during the mm-hmm. scene. So I think that was tastefully done that it, it wasn't like overdone with cameos by any means whatsoever. But they gave us a lot of like great fan service on this. Um, mm-hmm. I know you're a huge Spider-Man fan from um, Andrew Garfield specifically, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yes, I am. So I'm sure you loved seeing him show up I did. in this movie. <laughs> I did. I really, really did. I remember he he graced the screen. Yes. Yes, it was him crying over Captain Stacy. Yeah. Dying. Mm-hmm. But I was like, it, it's the way that it wasn't a cameo for the sake of a cameo. Right. It was to further the story. It was to show those canon events. It was to show... You know, how Captain Stacy is going to die. Yes. In like every universe. Like it furthered the story. So it wasn't there for the sake of being there to be like, oh my gosh, Spider-Man from all the different universes. No, it had a specific purpose, mm-hmm. which I adored. And I was like, and the same thing when they like showed that like the brief clip with like Toby. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, like holding Uncle Ben. Mm-hmm. It had a specific purpose. It wasn't there just to be like, here's Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. It mm-hmm. had a purpose. Right. Yeah. And, and and it makes a lot of sense why Sony released that 
um, image of like the all the other Spider-Man films is mm-hmm. because it's showing it how they're all part of that larger Spider-Verse mm-hmm. um, cinematic universe or whatever they call Miguel it. Miguel even brought up Tom. Yes. <laughs> Which I, Which, as someone who is not a fan of Doctor Strange. I, I knew you loved that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the rift on it. Yeah. You love the Doctor Strange slander. <laughs> it was well, and it was great. Like, because we heard that in the trailer, but for Spider Gwen to be like, he doesn't sound like much of a doctor you want to hang around with. I was like, yes. <laughs> You're like, this is for me. <laughs> yes, I know. I was like, they, they knew it. They knew it somehow, and I am all for it. Um, but yeah, so it was really cool. I think it was tastefully done on how they did it. Because, like you said, it's not. Like they shot a cameo um, shot for them just to show up in it. It's it's they brought out a scene from the previous movie to show like they're connected to this universe as well. Um, they brought in I forget her name, but from Venom that you know this has been talked about how yeah it was like uh, Mrs Chen I think yes yeah something like that. Um, but you know she showed up in there for me. One things that I was absolutely happy with in terms of cameo is how they brought in Donald Glover as not just Uncle Aaron. But as the mm-hmm. Prowler, because because, you know, especially mm-hmm. Donald Glover, because Donald Glover, I can't remember if he was the reason why he was the inspiration for Miles Morales. Yes. He, OK, that's what I thought. I, yeah. I couldn't remember if, if that was the case or or if it was like inspiration for um, like the movie or something like that. But um, he was the inspiration for that. Like the Brian Michael Bendis, I think, has you know been on record saying that, you know, he saw Donald Glover in a Spider-Man costume and that's what gave him the idea something like that. Um, and to see him in Spider-Man Homecoming and then not see him as the Prowler or see Miles, you know, in the MCU yet, this was a really nice touch to mm-hmm. kind of, you know, allude to that and kind of give people like, hey, he's the Prowler in one of these universes. They, they didn't really confirm which one it is. They didn't confirm it was the MCU or not. But the fact that there is a Donald Glover, uh, Aaron Davis as Prowler out there in the Spider-Verse was a nice touch. I remember being really excited to see that on screen. I was not expecting that at all. So I just absolutely love seeing that. And, and again, going back to the movie theater experience of being able to see something for the first time without having it spoiled. I absolutely love that. That was a complete surprise for me that I didn't know that was something that was going to happen going in. And it was just like a a thrilling experience. So that was definitely my favorite cameo of the whole movie. I can't even lie. I think my soul left my body for a second (laughs) when I saw Donald Glover, because I wasn't expecting it. And I was like, Wait, it took me like my soul off my body for like half a second. And then it took me a second to process. I was like, that's Donald Glover. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God, like he's on he's on the screen right now. And I love the I interaction. It. And I love the interaction you had with Miles, how he's just like, you know, it's rude to stare at people like this, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was just honestly his energy was giving a little bit of like the MCU kind of version that we did see of him in Homecoming. A little bit. Yeah. My hope is that it is him. But then obviously my mind starts turning and I'm like, what happened for him to like end up in? this situation yeah. and then my mind just starts going and then I, I'm going to like end up in a deep spiral if I keep think too deep into it, but uh, no. I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. Well, and you know what the, with Sony announcing that there's a live Miles Morales movie in the works and that we know there's a Spider-Man four in the MCU coming out. I'm wondering if this is a nod for them to say that he's going to show up in one of these movies, you know, as the Prowler. I think that'd be cool if they did that. Um, it shows that, you know, the long-term planning they've been doing with some of these things, I would love to see him in a, 
in a movie sometime, whether it's animated or live action as the Prowler. Cause I think Don Glover is a fantastic actor. Uh, he does some amazing things outside of acting as well, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love him in anything that he does. And I think he'll be, you know, spectacular with um, continuing that role in the Spider Verse, whatever shape or form it comes in. Um, a couple of things I want to talk about uh, before we wrap things up here is the first movie was really well known for a lot of different things. One of them being the spectacular music that it had, like it had sunflower in there. What's up danger. Like those are like some major songs that's been associated with the movie that when you listen to it, you can't you know help but think about that movie. I don't think this movie had like any songs that really stand out in that same way. I think that's probably one of the downside of this movie is that it's not going to have a very popular soundtrack. And I, I can't mm-hmm. even remember, you know, I'm going to see it later. Like, you know, like I'm going to see the movie. So I'm going to kind of keep an ear out for this a little bit more. But I just can't remember what song they played that was really catchy or really stood out for me. Do you? Mm-hmm. It didn't. I need to rewatch it. Yeah. I don't, my mind was like not focused on the music at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With this time around. But I, I don't think it really had any kind of like those really stand out. I have been looking at the soundtrack. I'm going to listen to it later today. Mm-hmm. I mean, the artists that are part of it are very talented and they put out a lot of good music. So I have faith that the music is incredible, mm-hmm. but it's like, as of now, I'm like, I think into the spider verse probably has my favorite soundtrack, Yeah, but I almost feel like now that almost it, it's different with this movie because it was more story driven. Right. Um, where in the first one, the music did kind of like elevate the scenes. Right. But I, I mean, maybe in this movie it did it too, but I was just probably not paying attention. <laughs> I know. Well, I wasn't just paying as much attention to it. Yeah. And the movie just came out yesterday. So for those of you who are watching and listening, you know, we're recording this on a, on the Friday, like the day after it officially came out in the United States, um, Canada as well, I believe. Right. Or did it come out Wednesday in Canada? Uh, Thursday. Was it Thursday? Like, was okay. the advanced screening, but then there were some theaters doing like early screenings on Wednesday. Gotcha. Just like a handful. Yeah. So, so to be fair, like in terms of music, I can't remember when I watched Into the Spider Verse, like how long it took between watching it and then getting into the songs too, right? So it might be one of those things where like there were songs in it and you just weren't paying attention to it, but like, you know, maybe second or third time you're, you're watching and you're just like, Oh, that song. And then that becomes a insanely popular song as well too. So as of right now, like it doesn't hold up for us, but who knows, like after time has passed, like maybe the songs end up being more of a, you know, part of the popular, you know, general consciousness of, of the story. But it, it just seemed like that was like one of the things that I didn't do as well with the first movie mm-hmm. is, is the song choice. The score was really good. And both of them, the score was fantastic. But in terms of like soundtrack with music, um, especially with miles being a, an artist, it didn't seem like they have a whole lot of songs that really stood out the same way that into the spy verse did. Um, the thing that I think this movie has a challenge with is that it's another multiverse movie. And, I say that this is a challenge, not necessarily it's a negative thing um, because they did the multiverse thing, you know, first before we had like Spider-Man, you know, No Way Home or, you know, DC kind of had a multiverse, but it was more of like a hinting at it wasn't about the multiverse. So this film um, Into the Spider-Verse was, you know, a fully multiverse movie. So it was kind of like the first one to really do it. But now that we have the multiverse in MCU, we're doing the multiverse in the DC movies and things like that. Mm -hmm. Everyone I think is feeling like 
all the superhero movies now, all they're about is multiverse. And I think it's more of an unfortunate thing. And I think that that's one of the struggles that this movie is going to have is how it's going to break out from the other movies in a multiversal story. But I will say this is that as I watch it, I think it's just more of the multiverse is a backdrop. It's not the focus of it. Right. So mm-hmm. Dr. Strange, the multiverse of madness was, it's all about the multiverse. It like just yeah. did a bunch of cameos. It just went from world to world and stuff like that. This one is more of like, there are multiverses, but it's more of the background, the setting of the scene rather than the focus of the story. So I yeah. think that's how it's going to be successful, but I think it is going to be a challenge for them of, trying to get across to audiences like how, you know, this is a great story that just happens to be in the multiverse and not about the multiverse, but it's definitely just an unfortunate situation to be in that all the other superhero universes are also about the multiverse as well. I think uh, it's with the whole multiverse thing. It brings me to one of the things that I was talking about with my friend last night that I've been like deeply thinking about and is those canon events. Yeah. And you well, you learned like across multiverse, there are those specific specific events that are meant to happen and that will always happen. Mm-hmm. And you see that kind of battle with Miles and how he's able to process that because now he learns within his universe, within his world, that canon event is his father dying mm-hmm. um, as he promoted to captain morales yes and he he's doesn't want that to happen now he's going to actively fight to make sure his father doesn't die Mm -hmm. but that of course goes against what miguel is trying to avoid because he says you know if you stopped you saw this happen Mm -hmm. um we've seen this happen before like you see what's going to happen if you stop a canon event from happening right it's going to collapse on itself. It's like the entire Spider-Verse mm-hmm. is at risk and is at stake. And it's just, it's so interesting to see mm-hmm. because I was talking with a friend and I was like, you know what? Sometimes canon things across media, sometimes it's BS. Like sometimes <laughs> it sucks. Yeah. The canon thing is so something you don't want to happen. Yeah. And it sucks that it's like, oh, well, it has to happen because here's this thing at risk. Well, that doesn't mean he's not going to do anything in his power to make sure Mm -hmm. he can save his father, but also make sure, you know, the entire Spider-Verse doesn't crumble on itself. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think what's really interesting that they probably going to explore more of this and beyond the Spider-Verse is that you have two kind of um, paradoxes that's happening here, right? Mm -hmm. Is that these canon events has to happen, otherwise they'll unravel. But Miguel saying that Miles and Earth 1610 wasn't even supposed to be Spider-Man to begin with because that spider came from a different. Yeah, it's from a different universe, which I the comic that I read that had the first appearance of Miles, like didn't really explore that and didn't even really seem to insinuate that um, that was the case that the spider came from a different universe. I don't know if Mm -hmm. that's something from the comics later on or what, but that was a different kind of a um, twist of events of how that spider was from, you know, universe 42. Um, but I think what's interesting is that the fact that he wasn't even supposed to be Spider-Man to begin with, does that mean that those canon events has to happen for him the same way that happens for everybody else? And we start to see that Miguel's so worried about the Spider-Verse starts to unravel that with this sort of thing happening with Miles and then what we see with Spider-Gwen and that her father now is not going to be a captain, which means that he may not die 
which again, like she didn't stop it. Um, technically they did with the spider society and stuff like that. Like you can point it back to miles and all that, or go point it back to, you know, spot because really he was the one that brought it in. Right. And so it just depends on how far back you go. But the fact that all these things start to unravel, I think is going to kind of talk about how Canon is, you know, not something that's always set in stone. I think that's, you know, that's part of the theme that they're setting up here for the next movie is that, mm-hmm. you know, what's fate and what's in your control and like what happens if you try to, you know, take control of your destiny here. And we see that kind of unravel. But the fact that, you know, you have Miguel saying that these canon events have to stay in place and that Miles wasn't even supposed to be Spider-Man to begin with. Does that mean that he still has to follow those canon events because of that? So it's I think it's going to be a really interesting thing to explore. And I think we'll dive more into that into in the third movie that's coming out. It's such a good question, though, because I was mm-hmm. wondering, I was absolutely wondering that, too. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. Like, was it still going to be a fixed point? It was just going to affect like affect that Peter's story. Mm-hmm. If with Captain Morales dying, was that going to impact his story? Like, was that what the original path was? Right. Was that always going to be a fixed point? But then, you know, with Peter dying in 1610. Yeah. And he wasn't that, supposed like, to die another according weird, to like, Miguel. Ripple effect? Like, yeah. was that meant to happen? Was that not supposed to happen? It's like all of like these questions like start coming up. Like, what what does that mean? Like, what does that mean for Miles's universe? Mm-hmm. Like, what could happen? Does that mean it's going to like fold in on itself? Yeah. What's going to happen? Yeah. And so I I think that's yeah, that's exactly what they're gonna explore in that third movie. And it'll be really interesting. I think there's gonna be a lot of conversations about it. Um, I think some people will be happy with how they explore. I think some people are not going to be happy with it because, you know, theories and how people are really fixated on, you know, these things that are fictional, you know, like as much as I love it at the end of the day, it's fictional. So whatever they you know do is whatever they do. But um, I'm going to be seated for it. I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Like I'm, I'm going to be you know, honestly, I will be. They've been doing such a great job so far that I have faith in Sony in this project. I don't have oh, faith yeah. in them and the other Spider Their villains. Action, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yes, it's I bad. know. <laughs> I know. It's. Just, I, I do have a little glimmer of hope of um, Madam Web because that sounds like that might actually be okay. Um, the fact that they're doing live action Miles Morales, I hope they do a good job of that. But again, I, they haven't I'm really. I'm kind of scared for Craven, but I'm still going to watch it. I know. Like we're all going like, to watch it because we're all like at least interested. You know, um, but like they just haven't had a whole lot of success in doing these villains. So hopefully if they go back to doing live action heroes like Miles Morales and Spider-Gwim and all that, I think that might, you know, find some more success in that. Um, I I think the hope is maybe they like learn from their mistake with the Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yes. (laughs) That's my hope is that they've kind of learned, I don't know, learned their mistake there. Or maybe just maybe uh, Marvel will have. Um, more of a role in the production right of the of the movies um that would be my hope is maybe since maybe they'll work in like more of a partnership yes to get them out there rather than kind of sony working more independently especially if they do as part of the mcu and not like shoehorn like what they did with morbius and all that right like, yeah no i didn't like no. kind of force i them. still haven't watched it all and i don't plan on it it's okay like it's i mean it's not great like there's some things that was like kind of cool but then uh, like majority of the movie i'm like it's, it's not that thrilling um but they kind of shoehorn themselves in with like morbius and venom 2 and i don't know if that's been intentional with marvel studios or that's like sony like kind of 
you know, putting that out there and be like, oh, cat's out of the bag. I guess you kind of have to make sure that this is part of the MCU now. Like, yeah. I don't know. Um, but it just did seem kind of out of left field. So I'm hoping that if they do these things, it will be done with justice and everything. Um, but yeah, so, you know, with this movie, so now it ended with, you know, Spider Gwen getting her own like group of spider heroes with the original people, uh, from the Into the Spider Verse. So we saw Spider Man Noir in there. Uh, we did see Penny earlier in the movie. And so she's part of the team now. Spider Ham. I thought Spider Ham may have like been in there for a glance of a second. Um, I don't recall seeing him, but I'm sure he was just in the background. Somewhere. Yeah, like like he wasn't really prominent. I don't think it was even speaking because I don't think John Mulaney was credited with this. And so I, I don't think he even spoke in the movie. I think it was just more of like a split second. You saw him in the background in the yeah. Spider Society or something like that. But you got all those characters plus plus Hobie. And yes. uh, and I think so happy. <laughs> I can't remember if uh, Spider Bite was part of that team. So I think that's going to be she really was. cool. I I'm love pretty sure she was. I love Spider Bite's character. I think that was a really Me cool, um, really cool character that they include in there. And it's kind of left with like Jessica Drew kind of wondering what side she's going to take, because you can <laughs> tell that she's on board with Miguel. But at the same time, she's like always questioning all this because he's seeing what's happening over here as well, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see one interesting thing that I saw someone on TikTok made a video about it and I was like oh my gosh I didn't even notice and I think it's the main poster for the movie right where you have like Miles at the front and you have all of the spider people like in the background and then I think it's like on his left you have like Miguel oh yeah and you have uh, Jessica Drew and then on his right you have Gwen you have Peter you have uh, like Hobie, Hobie and yeah. then you see the two sides you see the spider oh, society and then you have Gwen's team yeah and like I, I guess her team her resistance team of resistors yeah whatever they call themselves whatever you want to yeah. call them <laughs> it's like a slight tease in that poster yeah of the two clashing sides oh that and makes and I was like that's so cool I was like that had to have been intentional to have yeah. those like two teams on either side of him. It must be a lot of fun to be the poster maker for these movies because you have a lot of opportunities to, you know, tell a story with just this one mm-hmm. poster and like things like that, like with the details, like it's just phenomenal. But now that you say that, it's like, oh, I think I remember seeing that. And I totally you're totally right. It's it's I think they're kind of split between those sides. So it'll be interesting to go back and kind of look at that and. And see, like, you know, how many, like, end up on that side versus the other side. So. Yeah, see if that's going to be, like, any tell. Yeah. Of how the future of the films are going to go. If, yeah. You know, that team, like, the resistance is going to continue to grow or not. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So, all right. So, um, those are all the things I wanted to hit. Um, last minute thoughts. Um, anything else you want to add on? about the movie that you want to talk about or share with or anything. Mm. If you don't, that's totally okay. Cause I know we talked a lot, but did. Yeah. I feel like it's like one of those things. I, I think I've said what I needed to say for now, <laughs> but on second watch, I feel like I'm going to have yes. so much more <laughs> to say, but I'm like, for my initial thoughts, I think I've said what I've needed to say. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. O- overall, I, you know, out of 10, what would you rate this at? Like, 9.5. That's and- what I rated it for as Comic <laughs> Watch too. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. Um, yeah. Like I said, I think there's just very, very small things, but there are small things. They didn't take away from the story. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was just, it was phenomenal. It's definitely just hands down. Like didn't know how they were going to, you know, 
ramp it up better than the first one and somehow they did. Um, I, I would be hesitant to say that it's better than the first one. I think there's just two very different stories, but there are things they ramped up in this one that I didn't know how they were going to do that with how well the first one was. And so it was just phenomenal mm-hmm. on how they did that. So I completely agree. So, um, all right. So before we wrap up this episode, I um, just want to let people know that Comic Watch is always looking for reviewers. So if you want to be a reviewer for comic books, uh, TV shows, movies, anything like that, we're always looking for reviewers. So going to be a link in the show notes below for you to be able to apply. And then somebody will get back in touch with you um, within a week. Um, but it's a really great community to be part of. I absolutely love being um, part of the Comic Watch. The community is phenomenal. We're really supportive of each other. So if anything, you know, we definitely want reviewers, but it's a definitely a great group of people to be a part with. Um, and then next week's episode, we're going to be celebrating Superman Day, which is June 12th. So joining the show is former co-host Kevin Stoliker. And we're going to do a review of one of his favorite comic book stories, Superman Birthright. So make sure you stay in tune with that uh, for next week. So we end every episode by talking about the comics we're currently reading. As I mentioned, uh, usually we record episodes on Sunday night. But because of this movie and some other scheduling things, we're recording this Friday. So I didn't get a chance to ask people what their favorite comics or what comics they're reading. So it's just going to be Ellie and I sharing what we're reading. Um, so Ellie, I'm going to start with you first. What comics are you reading currently? I am. I'm only, only reading like two things right now, which is shocking for me, honestly. <laughs> yeah. But um, I'm reading Spider Geddon right now, and, which is the first time I've like experienced Hobie. So now I'm like excited to actually finish it because I want to see how much of his character is in it now. Yeah. Um, so I'm in the middle of spider get and then I am on like issue six, I think of Captain America Sentinel of Liberty. Oh, how's that going? I really like it. I started reading it a while ago, but uh-huh. then I started reading um, the secret empire event mm-hmm. and then I just kept getting confused because <laughs> they're two <laughs> wildly different stories. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm going to put Sentinel of Liberty on hold uh-huh. as I gather more issues and then I can just like read it all in one go. Yeah. I, I've heard people who've been reading uh, Sentinel Liberty that they've really enjoyed that series. And so it's really good. Yeah. I love it. So if and the covers are stunning. I'm <laughs> very obsessed with the covers. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've seen some of the covers as well, too. And they're really well done. So the variant like the variant covers are really, really nice. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're listening and you want to um, recap the Captain America series, the current one, Sentinel Liberty has been, you know, really you know, a lot of people have been raving about that. So. All right. No, those are really cool uh, series. I don't think I've read the Spider Geddon one yet. Um, is this the one that's that's like currently, or is this one that came out like a few no, years ago? No, I think this is from like I want to say 2018, but I could be wrong. Okay, gotcha. And I th- and I think it's leading up to some big Spider Verse event, right? That's why I'm like reading it first so I can read the other one. It's like it's thick. Yeah, it's a big one. Um, but I yeah, I think it's like a precursor to um, some big, massive Spider-Verse event. There's a lot of spider people in it, which makes me so excited because <laughs> I'm like, yeah, spider yeah. people, my favorite. Yeah, I, I just finished up, um, I think, the Edge of Spider-Verse or something like that, where they had a lot of different um, spider people in there as well. And they introduced a new one called Spider-Boy. And I forget his name, but he's like completely new to the Spider-Verse. So that's a brand new Ooh. character we got this year. But what's interesting is that there's a lot of Spider-Verse stories with the same kind of titles that came out in different years. So 
Edge of Spider-Verse um, was also the name of a series back in 2014 where that's where we got Spider-Gwen from was the Edge of Spider-Verse series. Ooh. So, And that was just 2014. So it's like less than 10 years later, we have another Edge of Spider-Verse event that's happening. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So it's really interesting to kind of see that. I um, love any type of Spider-Verse story. They're it's fun. It's so much fun to see them interacting with each other. Yeah, they're really fun. One Spider character I really want to try to read someday, in, in addition to you know Spider-Man India and Spider-Punk now, is um, Silk, because I've absolutely have heard great things about it. I haven't read any of her comics, but she seems like a really interesting character, and I really want to read her story. So that is uh, one character that I'm hoping to read pretty soon is um, Silk from the Spider-Verse. Um, the comics that I am picking up on my poll list this week is Batman number 136, which is written by Chip Zdarsky, as well as Daredevil number 12. Daredevil is going to be ending pretty soon. Um, it's not mm-hmm. this issue, but I think it's going to be the next issue or issue number 14. I can't remember which one that is. Um, Dark Knights of Steel, number 11, which um, this has been something that's been in the works for like a couple of years. They went on hiatus for a while, but uh, number 11 comes out this week and it's supposed to be ending on number 12. Absolutely love the story. It's written by Tom Taylor and uh, the story is it's kind of I don't know if it's like a different universe or not, but it's pretty Mm -hmm. much all the DC superheroes that they have. If they were, you know, somehow living in like the medieval times. Um, oh yes and, and it's like different stories of characters different power sets stuff like that so it's just a lot of fun to be able to it's kind of like a what if but not a what if necessarily it's just more of like um yeah it's it's like a what if type of thing you know where you kind of you're like okay let's be honest <laughs> yeah i mean it, it is in the sense that you know you're switching things up at the same time it it's not like how marvel does it where it's like you know what if this little thing changed or whatnot yeah. you know so it's just more like you know, what if we just took this story and it's not canon, but we, you know, decided to do a lot of different changes with it. So, um, so I'm looking forward to that one. Hell to Pay number five is a really good one. It's from Charles Soule. Um, and it's one that it's not from, um, the, the big two and it's not a superhero story, but it's a lot of fun. It's a really good, um, comic that they made. Immortal X-Men number 12. Again, I love X-Men. I can't remember what happened in number 11, so I'm probably going to have to like do a synopsis before I read this one. And then the last one I'm picking up this week, which has been one of my favorite series of the year so far, is The Joker, The Man Who Stopped Laughing number 9. Um, I was never somebody that liked The Joker as its own solo series. I was asked mm-hmm. to review number 1 for Comic Watch, and I absolutely loved it after I read it. And so I've been picking mm-hmm. up on my poll list, and it's just a fantastic story. It's pretty much a tale of, like, there's these two Jokers out there, and no one knows, like, which one's the right one or which one's the real one, in a sense. And it's it's a really it's a really fun story. It's, it's definitely a Joker kind of story where there's, you know, mass chaos and, you know, maniacal, um, you know, schemes and things like that. But it's just a really interesting one to talk about and to, and to read. So, yeah. I'm intrigued. You should check it out. Definitely have, check it out. I have so many things that I need to read. <laughs> I'm know. like, do I really want to add another one? I know. Like, I'm just consistently purchasing more and more. And I keep looking at my <laughs> shelf and I'm like, I still need to read so many of these. They're just... They're just like looking pretty on my shelf right now. (laughs) I know. I totally get that. So, well, those are the comics we're reading. And this is the end of the episode. We'll review Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Ellie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Before I let you go, where can people find you and your podcast online? 
Um, if you want to listen to the podcast, I am primarily on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts as well. Um, but if you want like other fun stuff, you can come check me out on my other social media. I'm basically everywhere. It's some variation of all day show. Unfortunately, <laughs> the one simple username was taken yeah. in some places. So that happens. Um, yeah. But yeah, if you want to listen to the podcast. Spotify is a very popular spot to listen. So check it out. (laughs) And I'll make sure to put links to um, your show as well as I think you have a link tree or something like that. I'll put that in the show notes as well, too. So, well, thanks again for joining the show. Um, Love the movie. I'm glad you loved it as well, too. And I can't wait to talk more movies, especially Spider-Verse with you in the future. Ah, Me, too. I'm so excited. And that wraps up another episode of The Caps in Life. I hope you enjoyed listening, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button. You can follow us on social media at Caps in Life. And if you like what we're doing, give us a shout-out by tagging us in your post or send us a message. For more information about us and all of our previous episodes, visit thecapsinlife.com. Oh, 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 oh